We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. The custom of bumping glasses with the cheers came from Old Rome. When in Rome, cheers! A pork crown roast with cranberry stuffing deserves a ripe, fruit-forward Cabernet from Paso Robles. Let me help you find the perfect bottle. Looking for the right wine for a meaningful gift? Consider me your wine concierge. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you. This holiday, now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 167, and this will opinions brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton, and I am joined today by who else but Frances Tomas. Frances, the international break ended, then we retreated to that all-time classic of a, of a game against Leganes. I, I mean, my eyes were just watering with joy with how wonderful it was to watch such a sight, uh, a footballing marvel, if you will. Well, I don't know what game you were watching then. <laughs> Very surprised. <laughs> you may be being sarcastic. Who knows? I think, yeah, some um, of the, the sarcasm was getting lost uh, from here to Qatar, I would say. Yeah, of course, of course. The game that got here to the Middle East was uh, horrendous, filthy, abhorrent, terrible. It was disgusting. It was a terrible game. Um, and I'm sorry that we started the podcast like this, but um, you need to call a spade a spade. It was difficult to watch. Well, uh, in the show, we are. There, I think there are two positives to be taken from this. One, the three points were captured on the road. Sure, that's great. And then part two is that uh, we got to see Musavage out there, and uh, Junior Firpo also got a game. Okay, and then there's the positives, so let's move on to the listener questions. Here we go. George asks, what was the 4-2-3-1 setup from Valverde? Uh, George also thought it was pretty horrendous. Players had no idea where they needed to be. Even Leo was found in a defensive midfielder position at times to pick the ball up, dropping deep, Griezmann invisible. Passes were too sideways to the players' positions and forced a lot riskier passes to the defeat of Suarez and Leo. Uh, George actually asked many, many questions. George, this is the one I went with uh, because 
I think for a lot of the Kool-Aids, and we've gotten tons of listener questions in the past asking why doesn't Valverde trot out Dembele, Griezmann, Messi, Suarez all together. So we finally did get to see what is largely the most experimental formation that he could have gone with. And that was almost out of necessity. Arthur, for probably because he was coming back from international duty, was not even called up to called up to the team because we're expecting to see him for 90 minutes against Dortmund. So expect him to see there. Lang Lang will be back as well. So it was a little bit of a, a makeshift team, but it wasn't too crazy. You still had him TT and PK back there. You sold Messi, Suarez, Griezmann, Dembele, Busquets, De Young. You still had everybody. The, the personnel was the same. It's just a formation change of 4 3 Four two three one, And, you know, Frances, as crazy as the formation sounds on paper, oh, we'd be too attacking. Not only would we not too attacking, but I don't think too much changed. No, nothing much changed. I think if anything did is the fact that there were many more players in the middle. And because there were many more players in the middle, we were even more predictable than we have been. And, and that's, that's been difficult to achieve. I mean, if you're going to go for a four two three one, then obviously the two wingers need to be open. But when you've got Griezmann constantly sort of drifting towards the middle because that's his natural position and that's where he feels the most comfortable, then then he's not going to work. I mean, defending against a team that attacks through the middle is incredibly easy. You know, even during the Guardiola years, at the very end of it, when we played against Mourinho, when we played against uh, teams that, like Chelsea, for example, they knew how to defend against it. And, you know, that team had Xavi, Iniesta, etc. Obviously, Messi, Henri, David Villa... And, and not even that team could attack through the middle. So if you're going to, to break defences and, you know, we're playing, let's just stop for a second. We're playing Leganés, you know, with all due respect. We're playing Leganés away from home, fair enough. But in La Liga, they were the worst, well, they still are, the worst team in the whole of La Liga. And we're talking about breaking defences yeah. and comparing them to, to Inter Milan. You yep. know, like I, I'm flabbergasted <laughs> to even be saying that, but that is the position with in which this manager and this board have taken us. So if you want to break a defence that basically sits back and, and relaxes and, and tries to cover gaps, then you need to wind them. You need to keep them guessing. And in order to attract... So say, say you open the ball to, say, Dembélé, starting from, from the line on the side, then someone's going to try and go and cover him. Then that's going to generate a space behind. But when Dembélé's drifting towards the middle with the ball rather than going towards the byline, then those spaces all get reduced. And uh, you can add the fact that the players were not really that mobile. You can ask, uh, add the fact that the formation seems to be changing every two minutes because the manager doesn't really know what he's doing. And you can also add the fact that, you know, key players, key players' heads are not really in it. Then he goes back to Messi. Then he goes back to what Messi can do. I mean, you can only imagine what this team will without Messi's magic. You can only imagine... You know, because beyond Messi, the only player that really is performing at a level that is expected, and this is in terms of returns, not in terms of play, is Luis Suarez. You know, Luis Suarez actually scoring the goals. Um, I know he's got a lot of criticism, but he's actually responding in terms of goals. You've got Ter Stegen that has saved several points throughout the season. Also, we've gotten very lucky that Atletico and Madrid, even though Madrid seem to be pick, picking up a little bit later, they haven't really been that great. And um, if you got um into the stands, into the, you know, La Liga Clasificación, we're at the top. And, you know, you could argue that the team is doing all right because we're, we're winning and we're at the top. But that, the, the reality is that the team is mediocre at best. And the reality is that any team can hurt us. And also that, you know, we've got Dortmund and Atletico coming up this week. And, you know, all we can do is just hold that Valverde actually finds the starting eleven and sticks with it. 
let's hope that Arthur comes back into the equation because this guy has been, you know, he was a starter. Uh, I wasn't sold because his previous season wasn't amazing. But with a bit of confidence, he started growing. And then all of a sudden, he disappears. Doesn't even get called up. I think it's interesting we talk about Dortmund and Atletico Madrid coming up this week. Because as you mentioned with Atletico Madrid, they're drawing their self, themselves out of first place. That's what they're doing. I mean, Atletico Madrid are not getting results at all. They're just settling for 0-0s, 1-1s across the board in La Liga. And that's dooming their season. And Dortmund in the same way. They're in bad, terrible form right now. And Dortmund, with Lucien Favre, he has not got the backing of his board at Dortmund at all in the way that Ernesto Valverde has gotten the confidence of the board at Barcelona. And I know people say a lot of times that 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 mark of confidence from a board usually means a death sentence. But Luis and Favre, after getting uh, annihilated in the Bundesliga by Bayern Munich, they've fallen themselves into a Europa League spot. And they're the team that is on the cusp of being knocked out of the Champions League. Not necessarily Barca and Inter Milan. It just winds up that that is kind of as expected to be. It was going to be a group of death. And Slavia Praha getting the draws that they did. In, it kind of did muddy the group even more. So teams didn't get three points there, including Barcelona. Uh, and, and so I think when it comes to the way that they're playing, what worried me about that Leganes game too is I think you're right, that the way that Dortmund and Atletico Madrid line up, I'm worried about not only a 4-2-3-1, because that's not what Valverde is going to do. He's most likely going to switch back to that 4-3-3. I don't see why he wouldn't with Artur coming back in the lineup with De Jong and Busquets most likely. But Messi dropping so deep. I've mentioned this in, in, in the past that... We get on Dembele for getting, giving the ball up, and Leganes's goal in that game came off a giveaway by Dembele in a bad spot on the field. And as I said, I, I'm okay with Dembele giving the ball away, but there are, as the Patreons heard me say uh, on the Patreon show afterwards, that there's the balancing of the scales, that Dembele does not give you enough positives to make up for him losing the ball. And so we all see that and we critique him. Messi, when he drops as deep as he did, because he really was the attacking midfielder uh, in that, that front three, if you will. So he was dropping so deep and getting the ball. And the problem with Barcelona is, as we see, when he drops deep, that pushes out Busquets and De Jong. And, you know, credit, I think, to Busquets. He, he wasn't fantastic in that game, but he was getting everywhere he needed to be on the field. But when he and De Jong were so wide as Messi was coming back to collect the ball, because you don't want to bring your defenders close to Messi either, now they're out wide and Messi didn't have an immediate outlet. And if he's going to drop so deep, that was what was made it so great about his relationship with Xavi and Iniesta. They were still only 10, 15 yards away. So even when Messi back in the day would drop so deep when at the times that he was a false nine, he immediately had an outlet. And that outlet isn't there anymore. It's either on the wings or it's a risky pass, uh, as George indicated, up to Suarez or to Griezmann, or it's something that uh, there, there are no one-twos right after he receives the ball. And then if Messi turns and runs at three or four defenders, when he gives the ball away, he gives it away in a rough spot to be. And Messi, however, when you look at those balancing scales, we've always talked about it. Messi gives you, I, he could give the ball away right in front of Ter Stegen's net and we go, I, I, you know, the positive still outweigh the negative, even if he gives the ball away in his, in his own penalty box. You know what I mean? So we don't, we're not going to get on Messi and we don't critique him for that same way when he gives the ball away because, I mean, so many times the end product of that is, is better than it is negative. But the same can't be said of Dembele because he's not doing that. And the same can be said of Griezmann. Uh, so we got a question from Leonardo about Griezmann. We're going to keep this conversation going. It's basically the same thing. How long will Griezmann take to adapt to playing with Messi? When can we say the decisive Griezmann we saw Atletico and on the first couple of games is gone? What's missing for him to be that great player? We know. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? At, at this moment in time, who knows? I mean, it is quite disheartening, but I've, I've got no idea because, you know, 
we're nearly December and we're still looking at a team that seems to have just sort of got together yesterday. Um, normally, you've got pre-season and you build those those sort of relationships and, and that sort of ground tactical awareness and knowledge and you establish the mechanisms and you get those relationships flowing. The pre-season didn't work like that. It was more about sort of broadcasting the the brand of Barca and, and basically making a couple of bucks here and there. And uh, then because that was flawed, then all of that time was gone. And then obviously Messi's injury at the beginning of the year didn't help either. Uh, although you can argue he's keeping him fresher now, but you know, who knows? And the team is just not gelling. And I think that it's all about disenchantment. It's all about lack of motivation. It's all about lack of know-how as well, because these these managers should not have started the season. Players don't really believe in him. Um, he's, make it, he's making the whole environment far too easy and far too comfortable for the Paca Sagradas, which are the sacred cows, which are the, you know, the untouchables, basically. And there are some players that just shouldn't have been in the squad to start. And they are the ones that are keeping him in the job. And because they're keeping him in the job, they are keeping the dressing room happier and sort of just sticking over to, to extend this, what I can only describe as an agony. You know, Barca used to be a team that everyone around the world was looking forward to watching every weekend. Um, certainly, you supported Barca at the time. Then it was even more of a joy to do that. and You couldn't wait to tell people about what um, Messi and Iniesta and Xavi, etc., Puyol even, um, Dani Alves, were doing over the weekend. And, and that's that's no longer there. I mean, it is painful. Uh, you, I, for, I, for one... I mean, I don't, but I've got lots of temptation, of temptation of just looking away and just doing something else because it is it is quite embarrassing. The, the team lacks identity. Um, these constant formation changes are not taking the team anywhere. And, and what Valverde is trying to do is just, look, I'm going to put all my expensive players in there and hope that they they save it. But, you know, as great as players are, they need guidance and Without guidance, they just keep running into each other's spaces and they're not complementing each other. They're actually making each other's existence more difficult. Yeah, for sure. I, I think when it comes to the situation with Griezmann, you wonder, and I don't want to call it blame, but you wonder to put the onus and responsibility about what change needs to happen. Does it come from within the player or, or is it one of those things that I think we're starting to chalk up some of the issues we have fundamentally in the team and you say that's not going to change unless the manager changes? Or is it things that a a specific player has to do to work their way out of the issue. Now, Luis Suarez, over the last few seasons to start the year, he always starts slow. And we do say that Luis Suarez, regardless of the manager, finds his way out. It's the same thing under Enrique that it's now been under Valverde, except he's a little older now. But for Griezmann, four goals, three assists, none in the Champions League. Two of those goals, as you remember, coming against Real Batiste in the second match of the season. And he hasn't scored now since Ibar over a month ago. And that's why all the negativity is coming out now. He's been on the left 12 times and in the middle four times. And as I want to harken back to, we remember that he got his start. He was a different player then, but he got his start at Real Sociedad. There is a winger in there that knows how to score goals, but that's certainly not how he profiles anymore. He's admitted that he is really Diego Simeone's center forward still, that he still is that secondary striker, the player that he played for against Atletico Madrid. But yeah, as I said, when it comes to Valverde, there are certain things, and I think Griezmann and the I, I'm going to put Dembele and continue all in the same mix. That yep. th- there's an inability for this manager to get something out of that third partner with Luis Suarez and Messi, and certainly some of the onus is on those two players. But they play their game. There has to be some kind of 
of instruction, some kind of idea that changes things up. And it's not just Valverde, it's the rest of his staff as well. I mean, it's even the experience of Suarez and Messi. How are they not watching tape and recognizing what the improvements need to be made. I, I think there's some responsibility shared on everybody, but when it comes to Griezmann's failings, uh, sure, so much of it is on him, but we've seen just how good he is and, and what he's capable of. And I don't think, as I mentioned, when I, I'm trying to think what game it was, this is now over a month ago, his heat map put him back as basically the left back. And there's no way that Griezmann is possibly going to succeed if 30 to 40% of the time, because of the defensive shape they have, he's all the way back in the left back position, switching places with Jordi Alba, but Alba's not making an effect either, uh, especially now that he's injured. So let's keep talking about the squad. We're going to keep this show moving today. Guatham says, what's the future of Alenia? Will Wage ever be on the bench when Nelson Semedo and Sergi Roberto are back? Uh, Frances, I'm going to go first on this one. Uh, George had mentioned about replacing uh, Danny Alves in one of his many questions that we couldn't get to, but uh, the one thing I want to say, George, to that real quick, Danny Alves, one of the best and let me get this straight, midfielders of his generation. Look at him, Sevilla, one of the best midfielders I think he could have been playing at the right-back spot. Uh, That makes him one of the best attacking right-backs ever, not just in this century. Danny Alves Mm -hmm. is one of the best right-backs, attacking right-backs ever. Uh, And the argument can be made is he's arguably harder to replace simply because of the position he played than Xavi and Iniesta. Guys that talented, they're midfielders. That's the way it works. That guys who are that good on the ball, who are able to do those things when they're, as they're moving forward, those guys, you put them either as uh, near the goal or you put them in the center of the field to control everything. But Danny Alves did it from the right-back spot. Just otherworldly, I don't know uh, if we're going to see somebody like that come along in, in world football for quite some time. Now, if it's not Wage, though, uh, and this is an idea I was thinking about, that... Uh, the, the idea has to be, and this goes back to Elena, that Elena is going to be loaned out. I don't think Elena's time at Barca is done. Uh, there's a number of players on this list. Unfortunately, it looks like Tudib is going to be sold. And actually, I could yell about that for an entire show. I'm so mm-hmm. frustrated with that that I don't actually want to touch how Tadebo's played four matches in two years and how Ronald Araujo for Barca B has gotten better and improved. Obviously, because he's playing with Barcelona B and Tadebo is not getting any game time, so a teenager is not going to get better. That's all obvious stuff. So why do you think he's being sold? Well, because Barca can make some money on the potential that nobody saw him have on the field. But in the moments that he was shown in the last two years, he's been fine and he's been good enough and he looks like a 19-year-old with a lot of promise. And as... I think my big argument, this is going to go into the next question as well. There are high-end starter talent, and you don't know when guys are teenagers, sure, but Todibo has not looked like a run-of-the-mill average center back. He has not looked like a depth option. He looks like a future starter, which is my frustration to sell a guy like him. Now, Wage, I'm I'm half-sold, half-not on. He's had bright moments, whether it was Senegal, obviously at the World Cup going back then. Uh, he was very good in Belgium, but it's a different league. It's a d- uh, different stakes every single game. So has Wage not looked up to it in training? Sure. Yeah, it's, certainly he is not good enough to overtake Semedo or Roberto. But if Wage, who's not going to be a high-end starter, is, is seen as superfluous, well then they have still, Barcelona can go and grab Emerson, the 20-year-old Abreu Batiste, who's been a starter. So I think the key here is when it comes to the right back position, this is unfortunate because it's become as important as it is to world football and the formation and getting forward. I mean, isn't it tremendous when Barca have at least half of it? It's still Jordi Alba on the left, but wouldn't it be great if the left back spot or whoever is going to succeed Jordi Alba eventually, maybe it is Junior Firpo, can stay at home a little more uh, like an Eric Abidal, and then the right back spot is the marauding part on the other side. Who knows? But Emerson has been good at Real Batiste, and my opinion is you either bring in players getting first team football 
you know, it, it's tough for Barca to say, okay, Wage eventually will groom you because they don't get the time to be groomed. That doesn't work that way. So either bring in a player getting first team football or trust in La Masia, who at the moment don't necessarily have a top level right back coming through anytime soon. Sergio Rosanas uh, is only 18. He's I don't even think he's considered a top-level La Masia, you know, definitely a future starter at Barcelona in the way that some of the other uh, talents are there. So the right-back spot is not one that's really depth, uh, has a lot of depth uh, in La Masia. But yeah, I mean, for me, when I look at other talents around the world too, Sergino Dest, and he just declared to be uh, a U.S. player, which, yeah, I'm a little biased on that. But I think if he was with the Netherlands, because he's at the moment almost a starter for Ajax, he's splitting time with uh, Mazraoui, who's come back, the Moroccan uh, center midfielder turned right back. You heard that at the beginning of this answer. Uh, and so they're splitting time now, but Sergino Dest is uh, still a teenager as well, but he's starting in the first team. He's getting Champions League minutes. So those are the places you got to look. Guys you can get for less than 10 million, and I think Sergino Dest is a guy that has high-level starter potential, just like Emerson. So if Musawage is not part of that, well, then I think he's a guy that unfortunately should be sold, because at the moment, it's Semedo, it's Roberto. None of them are going anywhere anytime soon. Unless you sell Semedo, then you better have a replacement. But Alenia, he's going to go out on loan, and maybe he'll come back for another manager uh that's just it's unfortunate Gotham but that's how it is yeah um I was listening to what you were saying and and the amount of players from La Masia that you're mentioning um I can it's frustrating because I could really do with a season in which we don't play amazingly and that which is this one and our results weren't great which again is also this one um but then at the same time, we've got some La Masia's sort of bright sparks growing and getting playing time. You know, I could do with being second, third, fourth in the league and then having Alanya, Puig, um and, and even Abel Ruiz getting a sniff here and there, Wage starting, uh, Junior Firpo give, being given the chance, um, maybe even, I know he's not here anymore, but Uriol Busquets, different players who would be growing and would be sort of getting somewhere. Uh, obviously, Ansu Fati having more regular playing time as well. I could live with that because you know that something special is being built is what in the NBA is called a rebuilding season, you know, or, or, or rebuilding sort of period, like the 76ers were building the process for like five, six years. I'm, I'm, I'm all right with that because you've got players that at Barca, given the, the amount of money that the, the club has, they can always sign the stars from here, there and everywhere. And I mean, if you think about it, you mentioned before, Dembele, Coutinho and Griezmann, they've all been over 100 million euros um, and that's been generous. I think it's 385 million euros have been spent on those three players together. Yeah, and you get the same production out of Fadi. You get the same production. But the question I I just want to push back is, Frances, the the argument is that Messi is now... What's Messi's timeline? You can't, it's, just, it's impossible to sell that to a fan base that a, a messy year is a rebuilding year. How, I mean, I don't see how those ideas work together. Of course, of course. But that's, that's where I'm going. So if, if we were to have a season which is as terrible as... In terms of game and, and, and in terms of sort of the output and the way that we're playing, because in terms of results, it hasn't really been that bad considering that we're top of La Liga, obviously. And arguably, it's, it's everyone else's fault because they're also losing. But... I could live with that. I could give the, the, the children a chance to shine, but obviously it's not happening, and it's just it just feels like a wasted year so far. And something something really does have to does have to give and change. 
Yeah, Eric asked a similar question, asking about playing time for Carlos Perez. Do you think he's better served staying and practicing with the first team or going to the B team and getting regular game time? And then the same could have, should have been said about Tadebo back in the time. And I mean, almost Alenia, though he's now too old for the B team, not not actually too old for Barcelona B, but he really is uh, of a different level than the third division in Spain. Wagner yeah. the same way. He's too, he's too good for the third division in Spain. So Eric asked about Perez, and, you know, again, this is cutthroat, and I've always had the same opinion about Perez, and I think his time in the first team has proved me right, that there are players with the potential to be starters, and then there are players who are just good enough to get time and are good enough to be coming off the bench for Barcelona. And Perez is that second one. He's a player who is good enough to come off the bench, but I don't know how valuable it is to invest a lot of time it is. I mean, the, 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 the one we always mention is Pedro, because Pedro wasn't a guy who seemed to be having high-level potential. He wasn't one of those great players from Barca B. He was a member of that system that he just wound up being this unselfish, perfect foil, perfect fit into Barcelona's system. I think Carlos Perez could be that kind of thing. But, you know, you look at Ansu Fadi and Puj, uh, E.S. Mariba, who I've spoken about, and Alejandro Balde, uh, one of the younger left backs. And while Balde and Mariba and, I mean, obviously Fadi's a teenager too, but those are four players that even at young ages are earmarked to be top-level starters. So those are guys that you really do consider and worry about. And then again, you have guys like Alvaro Ruiz, who was considered one of those top-level talents for a long time. And the only argument for Alvaro Ruiz is he's still just 19. So he's still developing. Don't worry about it. And so guys could be top-level talents. But now Carlos Perez, is he's nearing 22, and now he's at a point where he has to get first-team football. He has to, If he's going to be a starter, if he's going to really take off in his career, he's going to have to be getting time, and unfortunately that's not going to be happening at Barca. So I'd rather, as you just mentioned, I'd much rather give any Carlos Perez minutes now to Ansu Fati. And I think the way that the, mm-hmm. the, the roster is set up with Messi, Suarez, Griezmann, Dem- Dembele, you go four deep. And then Fadi is the fifth in that lineup. And then you have other talents in, in La Masia that if you truly did, in, in, a, in, in case of emergency break glass, we could see a Kiko Severio. Uh, you could see him just come on for the last 15 minutes if needed. Alex Callado is actually the other one. Alex Callado uh, is still just 20. And he's a guy that has played both wing and midfield. And he could certainly fill in if necessary, when you needed the sixth attacker or you needed somebody to sit on the bench from the B team just in case you needed somebody on the wing. So uh, I think for Carlos Perez, the best way forward for him is unfortunately away from the club. It's no disservice to him. I think he's a tremendous player, but I don't think he's a high level, needs to be in the starting 11 for Barcelona five years from now. And I think that's what just attracts me from that. Yep. I I kind of disagree with that. Um, I actually think Carlos Perez would be better as a right back for Barca. Because if you think about idea. it, when Semedo and, and Sergio Roberto are there, Wagge hasn't really taken off. I think Carlos Perez would be a good choice there. Yeah, I mean, and Wagge wasn't bad. But yeah, it's just you got a log jam between Roberto, Semedo, Wagge. Uh, and if you throw Carlos Perez in there, that nobody is an instant put him down as a starting right back. That's still the problem. Nelson Semedo was improved. But yeah, Barcelona do Plus. not have a guaranteed starting right back. Mm-hmm. Yep, no, I agree, I agree, I agree, totally. Well, we end this uh, going into the ad break on an agreement. Let's see if we can uh, get some more disagreements on the other side of it. So let's head to that ad break. Right now, when you come in and switch to T-Mobile, you get the amazing iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. <sighs> Aren't these mountains majestic? Joe, are you even looking? I'm posting these amazing pics I took with my iPhone 11 Pro. It has three cameras. Whoa, those pics are amazing. And you have service too? T-Mobile. Their newest signal goes farther than ever before. 
then you can look up whether these are bear tracks, right? Or we could just run. Come to a T-Mobile store today and get iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. And right now, get four lines for just 30 bucks a line with AutoPay. Switch today. Contact us if you cancel or credits may stop in full price due, plus taxes and fees via 24 monthly credits for well-qualified customers with qualifying service and finance agreement. Zero down with trade-in plus 3125 times 24 months. Pre-credit price $999.99. APR while supplies last. All right, we're going to pick up the pace of the show. We asked, can try to get some quicker questions here at the end. But before we get to that, we have a question from Rick. He asked that we've been saved a lot by super subs and a lot of goals from set pieces. And obviously, Watts like mm-hmm. an S. I'm conflicted on whether that is a positive in getting the vital three points in the 10th title race or quite negative in that we can't finish games on direct play. How do you guys rate this current Barca trend? I've got the numbers for you, Frances, before you answer. Seven of the 35 goals... Uh, in the in 13 La Liga games have come from players off the bench, including Vidal on Saturday, and that is most in La Liga. That actually most in all of the top five leagues. At Atalanta in uh, Serie A is at six. PSG and Parma in La Liga and Serie A at five, respectively. The players who've scored were Vidal twice, Luis Suarez twice, Fatih, Arter, and Busquets. And the only thing I would say, Rick, about I think those are two different ideas stuff coming from set pieces and stuff coming from super subs. I have no issues, and I think it is a compliment again to Valverde that his subs are making an impact on the game, but you hear the names that I mentioned, Suarez with two, Artur, Busquets. Those are starting players coming in off the bench when they're getting rotated and making an impact in games. I think that should happen, not to take anything away from Valverde making these decisions. Sure, he has to make the right choices, but again, it's not like he's taking a chance on a... He did that with Fatih. That's where the only credit lies, that when, Fede, when Fadi came off, got his, his goals, he was, again, a 16-year-old kid who could have expected that was going to happen. So that was a great job by Valverde there, great call. But again, the other guys are all guys who are normally in the starting lineup and know how to play football and know how to impact matches. So it's not that it's a crazy, a super sub role that is being taken by any of these guys. I think they're just, again, starters who are starting those games on the bench. Uh, so again, I guess good on Valverde for putting them into the game, but I don't read too much into that because of the quality of player that's scoring those goals. Yeah, I mean, scoring goals is always good. It doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter what they look like. Um, so the only bit that I can add is that six out of the last seven goals from Barca have come from set pieces um, in terms of free kicks, in terms of penalties, and also in terms of actually heading across coming in from, from a set piece. That can only be a positive because goals, goals are goals and they all count. But um, my, my worry is that a lot of people are being masked. A lot of excuses are being made and a lot of uh, difficulties are being hidden because these goals keep coming. Um, obviously, I'd rather pass scores than not, don't get me wrong, but you know, you can't really have people like Piquet was talking the other day saying that you know, we cannot really be that bad if we're top in the league. And in the press conference, um, Ernesto Alverde constantly saying, I'm worried that you keep asking me why I'm, whether I'm worried or not. I'm not worried we're top in the league. Uh, I think that's a very simplistic analysis that sooner rather than later, unless things change and everybody sort of gets a, gets a rocket where the sun don't shine, then things are not going to get better. Yeah, the set piece point uh, I think is important to note because it, the set piece thing, believe it or not, there is a positive, there is a silver lining in that. In a set, Messi has become so, so dominant 
on set pieces. He's become so dominant at free kicks, and even the goal, uh, it was kind of broken, the one Luis Suarez puts in the back of the net. But I think that Messi has just gotten so good when the ball is on the ground and in those kind of situations that it's going to continue to make him a such an important part of the team, and it's going to help Messi continue to make an impact on games even as he continues to age. But the team, as we've always talked about, the trend is that the team has to be changing around him. And as we've been yelling now for about two years now, the team behind Messi, if they're long in the tooth as well and nobody is pressing and nobody is moving, that really sets Barcelona up for failure. So I, don't, I, don't, I think those things can be separate. I think in open play, things should be happening. But the fact that Barcelona are scoring on set pieces is great. But I don't think it's a team that relies on it. I think those set pieces are coming just from the magic of Messi. And that's okay that it's just coming from the foot of Messi uh, because he's improved on set pieces. So that's okay with me. Uh, let's move on. We're going to now pick up, I guess we'll call this a lightning round. We'll go a little quick fire here as we end the show. Ronald asks, if PK is suspended, who would be the preferred defensive pairing for an upcoming match? And I think this one's pretty obvious, right, Frances? Well, it's got to be Umtiti and Lele. There's nobody else. Yeah, and if Tadebo does leave in January, uh, again, I'm thinking about writing an article for barsablog.com about this. I wrote a, a really glowing piece about Tadebo about a month ago. Clearly, uh, somebody at Barcelona had taken that, ripped it up, and thrown it in the trash, uh, and now they're willing to sell him to Bayer Leverkusen. And even if they put a buyback Terrible in... Terrible people for doing that. Terrible people. <laughs> well, even if they put a buyback in there for him, uh, I think that's a big worry about how they do business. Uh, and I, I think this also sets up a larger argument as Ron asked, who would you rather see leave in the January transfer window, Vidal or Rakitic? Let me answer that one quickly. It's Rakitic because I think he's, he could fetch more money. It looks like Barcelona is at, in a moment where you can talk about a player that I love in Danny Olma, who would be returning to Barcelona if he did return over the summer or whenever it would be uh, for a lot of money. But it, for Barca, if they're going to keep going Galactico shopping and looking around and thinking about buying players for 70, 90 million euro. We talk about the licked, but sure, but with, with, with what money? If Barca really did truly need to take out a loan to get Antoine Griezmann and they're pinching every penny where they have to sell off Tadebo, who has that kind of promise, then there's much, much larger problems underneath the surface. And the big worry there, I think, uh, and this is, again, just beyond that, uh, it has nothing to do with PK, but when it comes to selling Rakitic, I, it seems like, yeah, they didn't get the money they wanted over the summer and he wasn't sold quick enough, but that's the problem. That I think Rakitic should already be out of the club. It's messed up things in the, the locker room. It's nothing to do with Rakitic. Uh, he was fine against Leganes. He's still a fantastic player that deserves to be starting week in and week out somewhere else and could start for any other club. It's just we have De Jong and Artur and Busquets, so that's the issue with Rakitic. But, yeah, he's got to be sold on for for two different reasons. Uh, and then there are other players that are going to have to be sold on. They're going to have to hope that they get something for Coutinho. But again, if they're just making sure that they can balance the books, then there's no new players going to be coming in for quite some time. Uh, and there's going there's some worrying signs there. And my the bigger issue that we keep talking about with the board too is uh, I've mentioned, I mean, these are, at the end of the day, they're really politicians representing the board. And what does a politician worry about? They worry about their term and they worry about potentially being reelected, which this Bartomeu board already did. So with the upcoming election, why would they be worried about the time afterward? They're trying to get as much, they're, they're worried about their legacy and they have Lionel Messi and they're trying to bring in trophies and they're trying to worry about what's happening right now. Um, so I would love to see for some of our younger listeners, uh, Kool-Aids that are, we'll say in their late teens or in their early 20s even, uh, I hope that you guys are still on board in 10 years from now when things, the way things are going, with if things don't look as bright. So I hope you're still around then. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. I mean, the real fans that will stick through. I mean, you don't really, football is one of those sports in which you don't change teams. Um, I, I was lucky that I was born in Barcelona or in supporting Barca, but otherwise I would be supporting somebody else. 
uh, because I think it, it has to go beyond just the football, but sort of moving around the pitch and, and hitting that net. Um, in terms of the questions, Arturo Vidal actually is being a saviour of the bench and he's bringing some energy and some cojones that nobody else in the team seems to be bringing. So at least he's got that. Yeah. Uh, here's a question from Pancho for you. If Barca dropped to the Europa League, would it be good if he won that trophy? Uh, no, I don't care. <laughs> I literally could not care less. If they don't win the Champions League, I'm happy for them to pack away and play uh, FIFA online for the rest of the year. I don't care about the Europa League at all. I don't even want to entertain that question. Well, you know, I, I think that's a funny thing. I think we can say that coming from a place of privilege that Barca should be getting the Champions League. But listen, a trophy is a trophy, sure. At the end of the day, they'll say, oh, they won the Europa League. And I think you take the trophy. But I think the interesting point there is how we feel about the Copa del Rey. So many other teams, when they win the Copa del Rey, it's one of the only trophies that they win. And it's a, be a landmark moment. I mean, think if Alaves had beaten Barca a few seasons ago for the Copa del Rey trophy. That would have been uh, maybe the largest moment of their history because so many clubs never get a trophy ever they don't never get one of the major trophies so it would be an important moment for that for them in their uh, in their time but Barca have we won so much that when the Champions League is the goal that even the Liga trophies are falling by the wayside and as I continue to argue the Liga trophies particularly the dominance of La Liga uh, over the last 10 years I think coming 20 30 years from now when I look back in history books what Barca are doing in the Spanish first division and I really do hope because obviously domestic football as the world has gotten closer, I mean, you and I are talking across an ocean. You're, you were born in Catalonia. I was born in the U.S., and yet you and I have this really good friendship and relationship, and we're talking, and now you've moved to Qatar in the Middle East, and uh, we're, you know, we're hours and hours and thousands and thousands of miles away, and we're speaking. And as the world has gotten closer in this way, we do have almost myopic view on just bigger and bigger trophies, and it has to be that these global brands get the global trophies. So I think we do go away from how important and the significance of domestic football as the world has shifted their view away from domestic football. But that said, Liga is still a competition where we play the most games, and that's the one that, that matters the most. But going back to that final point, putting a bow on this Europa League point, I would not be frustrated at all to see Barcelona's quote-unquote B team then be inserted into that competition. And if the likes of, yeah, it won't be Tadebo. Th- now you remind me about that. Now I'm all frustrated and flustered again. But if the likes of, if the, <laughs> if the likes of Wage and Arturo Vidal, sure, or Ansu Fati, if those are your starters and they still win the Europa League, but you get them valuable time, that's tremendous. And I think if Barca were to drop down to the Europa League, I think, again, as I've been saying, that's the only way that Ernesto Alverde is not the manager of this team. I don't think any result in the league is going to do that to him. But if he were knocked out in the Champions League here with this, the next two weeks between Dortmund and Inter Milan, you might have a new Barca manager in January. And I think they're going to be given the room and the place uh, and the ability to be able to play whatever and whoever they want. So if they're in the Europa League, I think it's very possible that Musovage would be the right back in the Europa League, and that's not too crazy. But yeah, whether or not that trophy is going to feel good, I agree with you. No one is going to be excited about the Europa League trophy. Zero Kules, no. zero Kules, 100%. And also, this manager has the best player in football history, still at the top of his powers, even though it doesn't look like it, because obviously the rest of the team and the manager himself are not allowing him to shine as he should. Um, the third best goal scorer in, the, in Barca history, in Luis Suarez, the striker that everyone around the world wanted, which was Griezmann this summer, um, made, a, made a waste out of the best bet that Liverpool had a couple of seasons ago that pretty much every team in the world wanted as well. Um, Dembele, one of the most promising strikers of, of wingers in, and forwards in world football, 
uh, pretty much wasted. Uh, and the list goes on and on and on. I mean, the young, that's the midfield that everyone wanted this season too. And, and look at where we are. I think even speaking about Europa League is just, it's just a step too far for my poor little soul. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. It goes back to... No, no, it's true. It goes back to the fundamental point that other than Messi, who seems to be so self-motivated that he was going to improve no matter who's... I mean, if you are on the touchline, Messi's going to continue to get better. That's just the way Messi is. But who else among them has improved their game other than Nelson Semedo? But the other argument is that if Nelson Semedo stayed at Benfica, he might be at the level that he's at now. And it, it, that might just have been his natural linear progression as a footballer. So yeah, I do... Then this does go on Valverde. Again, once again, we asked, and I asked this last year, I asked this almost two years ago, but, you know, he, that was his first season, so he didn't have as much time. But I asked, who, who's, who's improved? Who's gotten better? Or, uh, you can't say Ansu Fati has, because Ansu Fati showed up <laughs> as a 16-year-old the way he is. So I hope Ansu Fati gets better, mm-hmm. but uh, the bar for him is already pretty high. So let's talk about the young, though, as you bring him up, uh, because he's been great for Holland. We watched him at Ajax now last season, and he was one of the best midfielders in the world. Um, yes, it doesn't matter, the Ballon d'Or trophy, but he is certainly a nominee, and that says something about the player that he is. But Vilmos asked, do you think, and Vilmos put on his conspiracy hat for this, so we're not going to play that game, Vilmos, but he has, do you think Bartomeu and his friends uh, convinced De Jong to choose Barza by inserting a clause in his contract related to how much he will play? It seems like he plays almost every game. It feels strange that he plays every game while others are dropped mostly without any sense, like Artur, Alenia, Rakitic, they don't get any, uh, any say in that, and Vilmos says, don't get me wrong, he delivers mostly, but he did not raise our midfield that much either to earn this untouchable status. Oh, okay. So who, who are we playing instead then? I, I mean, agree. This is, this is the, one of the best players we have signed in the last five years. Um, he is a youngster. He has proven that at 21 years old, he was and still is one of the best midfielders in Europe. And he's in our team, so he will play every game. I, I see nothing wrong with that. I mean... Who, who are you going to play? Arturo Vidal in his position. I mean, I, I think Valverde is doing the right thing playing him. Uh, whether he's playing him in, in his favorite position where he should be playing, that, that's up for debate. I think still should be taking Busquets' position and, and let it be. You know, we, we, we may get worse for a month, but things would improve if he was playing as a defensive mid. But without a doubt, I think the young, given his age as well, doesn't even need to be rotated. I think he should play every game in full. I yeah. absolutely agree with the manager there. Yeah, he is 22 years old. I'm not worried about his fitness at all. Uh, if he's banged up, then rotate him. I, I do think people players should be rotated. But yes, because De Young, as you mentioned, can play both in that in that pivot, and he can also play uh, as one of the two in front of that that pivot. That he could play every match at one of those two positions, uh, whether Busquets is on the field or whether you do play. Uh, I mean, yeah, in the, in the imaginary fantasy world that we live in where Elena is a bench player or a part of the rotation or Sergio Roberto is in the midfield, you can still play De Young in one of those three positions. So, yeah, I, I think I'm not, inserted, I'm not worried about that. And as cynical as it is, even if Vilmos is right about the, there's a clause in his contract saying that he has to play X amount of games, and, or I don't think it's that he chooses when to play. That, that, they don't do that. Well, they so, wouldn't be. No, it doesn't work that way. So I, I think, yeah, that, that's, and, and, you know, and that's a funny thing. So, even hypothetically, no, even if it... No player that gets signed for Barca has a clause in which they have to, for the, <laughs> because of the grid, they have to play. That, that, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, and even at 22, right. as I said, even at 22, he even if there was a hypothetical clause like that, 
not that he would choose to play, but just that he has an X amount of games, and that's fine too because he's he's worth that at the moment. I mean, again, he's one of the top midfielders in the world, even at his young age, and he, in theory, is improving and is only going to get better. So I hope that we got better as this show went on. I think both of us had our soapboxes here in this one. We got we, I think Frances for first time in a while, we both got pretty wound up. I think it's more the. I think it's more what Valverde is making us watch every game. That, was <laughs> that doesn't really, help. Yeah, um, it, it's hurting our souls. Yeah, so it's it's interesting because this show, uh, we hope that there's a lot of things we're wrong about. Because, but the next time you're going to hear us in your ears uh, on this podcast, we're going to have played Dortmund and Atletico Madrid. So I'm interested to see what happens here. I want to wish all of the people in the U.S. and anybody else maybe around the world who might be celebrating a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll be in your ears on the next time. So you can ch- check in your app, check out the show notes. As you know, social media, at the Barcelona Pod, at D 13 for me, on Instagram, at the Barcelona Pod, closed Facebook group where these questions were, uh, were, were received, tbpod.link backslash group. And then you can also help us on Patreon, as always, tbpod.link backslash Patreon, as well on YouTube. And this is the one I want to circle here. I know that everybody goes everywhere, helps us out everywhere. But on YouTube, subscribe to that. Uh, I just want to get some momentum, get some of that stuff out. We had a question actually in the Facebook group this week asking about when Barcelona managers get sacked. And I actually had done a YouTube video about that a few weeks ago, about uh, different managers over the past, whether it was Louis van Gaal or basically, what is the precedent about Valverde getting sacked midseason? How often do Barcelona do that? And it might not be in Bartomeu's ideas or mindset to do that, but it has happened. It is possible, but it doesn't happen too often. And you go over to YouTube, check out that video from a few weeks ago, and we've also got uh, new content coming out uh, each and every week as well. So you can check it out on YouTube at the Barcelona Podcast. Hit the subscription button as easy as you like. So I think that wraps up everything for this one. Frances, you good to go? Let's go and let's come back with six more points next time, shall we? Sounds good. So thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon in Forza Barca. Forza. What if Santa didn't need eight reindeer to guide him through the night? Hey, Mercedes, map me to Kalamazoo. Okay, mapping the fastest route to Michigan. Or what if his sleigh could get real-time weather info? Hey, Mercedes, what's the temperature on the 25th? 22 degrees. Rooftops may be icy. Mercedes-Benz MBUX technology hasn't made it to flying sleighs, but it's available to you on the A-Class, the GLE, or GLC. And you can get them all for an exceptional price during the Mercedes-Benz winter event. MBUX command simulated. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Moon. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.